Okay, guys, really excited to bring in Tyvis Powell, who's becoming a media rock star up in the Northeast Ohio region up there on Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, which is on YouTube. You should check that out. That rock star status with his media career matches up with his football career. Big fan of his time at Ohio State. Obviously, uh, a fantastic team he was a part of there with the national championship. Tyvis, thanks for joining me, man. No problem. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk, man. I really appreciate that. Of course, of course. I want to. I want to backtrack. You're you're Northeast Ohio, Bedford, right? So you're Northeast Ohio guy, born and raised, right? Is that correct? That is correct. Y'all refer to the day I die. <laughs> I love it. So so Ohio State. You go to Ohio State. I'm curious. You you it was it Ohio State all all the way. You had no other option really. You just that you could visit other schools, but it was I, I'm going to be a Buckeye. Or was there? Did you give some other schools some due diligence before you made that choice? Well, before before I got the Ohio State offer, you know, I was doing all of my due diligence. You know, I reached out to all the coaches. You know, they would respond back to me. I had a really good relationship with a ton of them. Um, but once the Ohio State offer came, I mean, since 2002, I always said I was going to be a Buckeye. So once that offer came, I mean, it, I just couldn't turn it down. I mean, <laughs> but but as, even after I committed to Ohio State, you know, Michigan State continued to still recruit me very hard. But I had to just straight up come out and tell them, like, listen, I appreciate everything that you're doing for me, but I'm, it's Ohio State and nothing for me. So that's how I ended up being there. I love it, man. I love it. That's awesome. So what, what's fascinating to me, you have this great career at Ohio State, cap it off with the national championship and the award that comes with that. And then you get to the NFL with the Seahawks, I think, right? It's 10 organizations you end up playing with in a, in a nice little NFL career. Was it? Was it 10? I counted 10. <laughs> I counted 10. I don't know. You, Wikipedia could be wrong sometimes, but I didn't want to be wrong, so I tried to use them. But, no, uh, you, might be, you might be right. <laughs> I know it was like a fourth of the league for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious, which one of those, like, did you land in a spot where you really liked how the organization operated? Was there one that really stood out to you? Like, I know, I think this misconception people have, Tyvis, is that all NFL organizations are relatively created the same, but but that's not really true. I no, mean, no, so, no, they, yeah, different. elaborate on that. Was there some that really stood out to you as far as, like, their process or facilities or things like that? Well, yeah, I mean, for well, obviously the first one was Seattle. I mean, coming to Seattle, it was based off of fun. Like, they just had a ton of fun, but they were super competitive. Like, everything was a competition. And it kind of reminded me of my time at Ohio State. You know, Coach Meyer was big on competition, win or lose. There's either this or that. You know, it's either good or it's not. So going to Seattle, they kind of had that same mindset and that same mentality there. But Coach Carroll is just fun. Like, he, he's all about having fun. I don't think I've ever seen that man upset. Like, out of the whole time I was there, he was always joking around having fun. We could be down 21 points, and he still got a smile on his face. Like, we're going to come back <laughs> with you and that go. So. But and as a rookie, you know, they tried to explain to the rookies like, yeah, y'all have fun here. But like if y'all ever leave here, I'm just telling you, it's not like this around the league. Y'all, y'all don't let this place let y'all believe that all the organizations is ran the same. And, you know, I kind of you know, you hear it, but you don't really understand it until you actually leave there. So I left there, went to Cleveland. You know, Cleveland is cool because for me, you know, that was where I was from growing up watching the Browns, you know, that's, uh, that was like a dream come true. And it wasn't, it wasn't quite Seattle, but the players still have fun there, but it was, it was ran differently, you know, like Seattle. I think it was more like for some odd reason, it was more of the feeling like you had so much fun and enjoy being around those guys so much in Seattle that you kind of wanted to get up in the morning and get to the facility. I remember like, 
man, I can't wait to get to the facility and be around the guys. Like it was that type of atmosphere there. Um, I didn't feel that with the Colts because I left Cleveland, went to the Colts. I didn't feel that with the Colts. That felt like a job. It was just, it was a grind. <laughs> that was a grind. San Fran was cool. I looked, San Fran was like a mini Seattle. You know, they was, you know, Kyle, with Kyle Shanahan being the head coach, he's fairly young, so he's able to relate. You know, he got the, all the latest music playing at practice. He's cracking the jokes. He understands the lingos that's going on. So it was cool being around a young coach like that that under that could understand, like, our generation that was coming up. Um, I left there. I went to New York for about a week, and that was eh, – they was it was a losing season, and – and I kind of felt like Todd knew that he was getting fired at the end of the year. So it was kind of like, y'all just show up and do whatever. It ain't, you know, it ain't that. <laughs> it ain't no big deal. So it was it was kind of that situation. Um, left there, um, went back to San Fran. Obviously, San Francisco same. Um, played for the Texans. Texans was, ah, the Texans was okay. Um, it was very hot there. So that's, that's kind of like the number one thing I remember. Um, it was a uh, Bill O'Brien was the head coach there, and you know, he was he kind of ran it similar to like a college style type thing. So if you know if you was good, if you understood how colleges was ran, you would understand Bill O'Brien's system. Um, leaving there, I went to Dallas. Man, getting to Jerry World. Oh, that, that was, listen, I'm gonna tell you right now, facility wise, it ain't nothing like it. They, they they shatter everybody's facility because that that Jerry's World is real. And when I got there and witnessed that, I said, yeah, these is by far the best facilities in the NFL that I've been around. Um, I really did like Dallas. That's a, that's a, I see why they get all the praise because they really treat them like royalty down there. Um, left there and went to Denver was the last stop in the NFL. And Denver was pretty cool as well. I would, I would say that's probably was my third favorite. So if I had to rank them, it would be Seattle. San Fran and Denver. Even though Dallas facilities was nice, I just kind of liked the way Denver was ran a little bit better. So, so you you got a little time in the CFL too? Because I had a buddy of mine who played in the C, play. He, I think he's still Trevor Harris, a quarterback up there. Trevor still plays. Uh, he's been around the CFL forever. Did you did you get some run up there? Did you what, what was it like? I well, mean, I did. It's a different so, thing. So, oh yeah, yeah. So I went up there last year for a training camp and. Uh-huh. I didn't make it out of training camp. I got I was actually the last cut, which was crazy because I was like starting safety for the whole thing for like the whole camp and I like led the team and picks the camp and I made so many plays that it was kinda of like an eyebrow raise that I got cut. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> trying to trying to adjust to the game it, it's different because, you know, obviously the field is wider and the end zones is way bigger, it's much bigger than the than the NFL. So you know, you would you hear it, and it's like, ah, oh, it can't be that bad. So you get out there, and you at safety, and you trying to you trying to guard that seven cut, that corner route. You really feel how wide that field really is. So, so yeah, so that was one of the things. And then obviously, you know, they get the motion start uh, before the wide receivers get the motion start before the ball is snapping. You know, you if you've never seen that before, it's kind of an adjustment period, but. I was able to pick up on that because you could tell by how the tempo of them coming off the ball, what type of route they running. Obviously, in the motion starter, they they run at full speed. You know, it's something deep. But if they kind of jogging off, you can kind of sit on their route and, and and try to pretty much guess what's coming. But that experience was cool. Um, 
it was different. They, they had to explain some rules to me that was different. But for the most part, it's all about the see ball, get ball thing, man. And just do your job and everything can take care of itself. Um, that was a that was a great experience for me because um, being in the league, being in the NFL, you know, I kind of took the the back seat on a lot of things. Like I didn't I didn't really speak up a lot. Like you know, I was always kind of I viewed myself as that undrafted guy, free agent guy. So it's like if I say something, they ain't gonna listen to me. But when I went to the CFL, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna get out of my comfort zone. That's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to get out of my shell and become a leader. And I thought I did an amazing job, which is something that I learned about myself is that even in tough times, I was still able to lead. Like I did it at Ohio State easily because, I mean, I was like a pretty good player at Ohio State and people kind of respected me. But to go to a place where nobody knows of me and be able to speak up and people listen to me and, and gravitate to the things that I'm saying and I could see people improving just off of stuff that I'm saying and me hyping them up, like that was – that was big for me. That was as a man, like that was just big for me to to see that people respected me and respected my opinion and they value my opinion. So it was nice. The CFL definitely helped me out in that aspect of my life and career. I would say that that valuing your opinion thing is launching this second career, right? Is is the media stuff because you're crushing it, man? Is the media stuff something you always wanted to do, or is as you have come along through your NFL career and especially at Ohio State, there was always a charisma about you, you know, messing around with with Cardale, all that stuff, man. Like that was always yeah. natural. That was always natural. Yeah. Like you could always feel it's like that. Is that something you, you hit a point where you're like, I think I could do this. Or is it something you've been planning for a long time? Well, it's interesting that you bring it up because for, for the, a lot of my life, I always said that I wanted to go into coaching. And, you know, while I was training last year, before I went to the CFL, and I was a couple of kids that I was coaching. I had a kid in high school that I would, tr- that I would do drills with. And I had a kid that was in college that I did drills with and I could see them like becoming better players. You know, they would go back to they, they, they facilities and do drills or do one-on-ones or seven-on-sevens. And they would actually be, be, be successful for some of the stuff that I was teaching them. And they would come back and be like, man, it worked. And I'm like, you know, all right, it worked. Like, what you think? You think I, I know my stuff works. <laughs> so it was, it was, I really found a lot of joy out of uh, being able to teach people the game and see them have success with some of the techniques and some of the things that I taught. So for a long time, I thought I was going to go into coaching. Um, I don't even know how I really got into media. Um, You know, it started with me just giving my opinions on things, speaking out um, on things that's happening in sports. Um, And then thankfully um, I ended up getting in touch with uh, 97, the fan in Columbus and, you know, they, they brought me on for a couple of hit sections. And next thing I know, the hit sections turn into, hey, you want to do a show? Would you, would you be interested in doing a show? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll do a show. Let me try. Then they got me into calling high school football games. And I'm like, yeah, I've never done that. But, then, you know, I'm like, I watch the games and I sit down and I break it down to my wife. And I'm sure she's tired of me teaching her the game. So it'd be nice to, it'd be nice to talk to people that actually want to hear, you know, about the game on the radio. So I got got into it that way. And the next thing I know, man, I'm just – people just started reaching out to me. Hey, you want to be on my podcast? Hey, do you want to come on and do a show or do a hit section on the show? And I'm just like – right now, I'm just like, yeah, I'll do anything right now. You know, I'm just trying to – you know, I should share my expertise and, you know, help people understand the game of football and you know, share stories throughout my life and my experiences and hope that, you know, some young kid hears it and makes better decisions and takes what I say and takes it at a young age and it makes them become a better player and a better person. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that especially that ending about about how the the goal is to ultimately inspire. I, I think that's what, at least that's what I try to do with with this angle of, you know, I'm not a traditional. Uh, at least when I started doing this and have expanded to a bunch of different things, it's really teaching people the game, and I think that's a large part of what they covet. You know, I played the game on a much smaller scale, so I try to relay the things I know as a quarterback and to what it what it is the Browns are doing or how they're trying to do the things they do, the reasoning behind decision making schemes and stuff like that. People crave it. Mm -hmm. I know that's something you obviously bring to the table, uh, having played at the highest levels of the of the of the game. And it's like, I think that that's where the people will always be drawn to you because they you can put them in the shoes of someone who's done it. You can teach them the stuff, the X's and O stuff. Is that X and O analysis stuff something you're interested in, or is it more just the personality side of things? No, I actually do enjoy doing the X's and O's. You know, I like to. You no, know, especially at the DBs in the secondary. You know, I like to really watch film, and and I like I say, my wife is my my audience a lot of the times, and I know, you know what? If I if my wife wanted to go into becoming a DB coach, she'd probably be the best DB coach ever because some of the stuff she'll be able to say, they'll be like, "How do you know that?" I'm like, "Well, my husband says it all the time." But um, I just I just really enjoy watching a specifically DB play, but defenses as a whole. And I, I like to look at a DB, um, like when they're doing a route and the receiver either make, beats them on the route or they make the play. Like I like to explain to people why and how they got to that situation to where either they made the play or what happened during over the, over the course of that route that allowed the wide receiver to be able to beat them on that route. So I like to point those things out. And that's what I kind of do with the young kids that, I, that I'm with. Like I, um, Armani Rees, you know, I played with them at Ohio State. He um, asked me to come do like a camp, like be a scout at a camp, basically. And um, I was working with uh, the middle school kids, uh, seventh and eighth graders. And Duran actually had the high schoolers. I had the middle schoolers. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching these kids because I'm coaching them. I'm sitting there watching the kids and I see the mistakes that they're making and I'm correcting them. Like, I'm like, it's the smallest thing. Like, like y'all just peeking y'all head around too early, a second early, and that split second, that wide receiver is getting this many yards gained on y'all when y'all look back for that ball. It's so subtle, but it makes the biggest difference. So, you know, I fall in love with pointing those little small mistakes out because I think if people can – if there's re, it's really at the highest level, it's the little things that makes the biggest difference. So if you can fix those little things and be darn near perfect on the route, hey, you'll, you'll, you'll make a lot more plays than you'll miss. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Well, I think I think that's what people want to know too. Even even the fans of of Cleveland and they you know they they want to comment on uh, to try to kind of reel it back to this market about what players are doing well and who is not. And there's a huge element of the why. You know, hey man, uh, say say for example, we're going to talk about Denzel in a second. But hey, Denzel's given up this whatever whatever. Well, why? What's the reasoning? What's the coverage? Why? Right. Why would this thing come to fruition? And I think that's something that. This market is dying for more people to be able to teach the why, not the result, but the why yeah, behind it. Yeah. And I think that's something that people are always wanting. So I always appreciate people who can bring the nuance, and I think you do a really nice job of that. So listen, let's let's shift gears a little bit. We're going to talk Browns. I want to talk real quick. Denzel, obviously, you're focusing on DBs. Denzel gets the big deal. Mm-hmm. I, he, I, I think was he a freshman when you were your senior year? Was is yeah. that true or am I off yeah. on that? No, he was a freshman my senior year. I always thought that he was there when yeah. he won the Natty, but he ended up coming the year afterwards. So that's right. That's right. So so when he comes, he gets there. He's probably a smaller guy just getting there. Was there a feel of like this kid's pretty good, or was it just, he's a freshman, man? I don't know who who knows what'll happen, or was it Denzel's like, yeah, we can kind of see it, man. This guy might be all right. All right, so let me, that's the thing. So Denzel, when when Denzel first got to Ohio State, I'm not gonna lie, I knew of him because you know his father, RIP to his father, Paul Ward, was a um, principal in Bedford. So I kind I kind of knew of Denzel, and you know Denzel was an amazing track star. Like he was just that the fastest. They called him the Flash back in the day until Miles Garrett got there and took the name from him. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I knew of him because of that. So watching him, you know, obviously I kept my eyes on him close because you know I wanted to be there for him. I wanted to help him. If times got hard, I wanted to be that guy that he can come to because I would have been like a familiar face to him. And I felt like like I had so much respect for his father that I kind of felt like I owed it to him. So um, watching Denzel come in, as a freshman, he struggled. He definitely struggled a little bit. You know, Coach Combs was hard on all freshmen. I was like the first freshman that Coach Combs had at corner, and he made my life miserable. <laughs> then it was Eli, and then slowly it became like Denzel. So um, I watched Denzel struggle a little bit, but Denzel always had that blazing speed, and he always had the ability to make plays. But it was a little. It was the little things, you know, with him. Once he, so they started him off on special teams, and once I seen him go on special teams, he was kind of like the. Uh, it would be considered the R two on special teams in the NFL terms. So it's the guy who's the twenty. He got the twenty one man where he keeps everybody. He contains the ball, squeeze everything down, and nothing can get outside of him. So he, I kind of revolutionized that position as a as a um, red shirt freshman because I went down the field and I made this tackle from that spot. And Coach Meyer was like, I've never had a guy make this play. I do that from this side of the field to make the play. So, you know, you kind of just taught me something. So I, after I did that, Denzel came and shattered all that because he was way faster than me. He was able to make the play. <laughs> so once I see him have that ability, it's all about it's, – it's, it's contagious – and it's all about confidence in in college football. Like once you make that first play, it's like, oh man, I gotta have some more. I gotta do it again. So once I seen him make that first tackle, I'm like, okay, he he got it. And then in practice, he started locking people up in practice, and he started competing more in routes. So I'm like, okay, he definitely got it. 
And then obviously I didn't get to see him after I left, but I kind I kept watching them games and he started, he started to show up a lot in them games. And I was like, okay, this guy's definitely special. He's definitely what I thought he would be. Yeah. He's, he's turned into, it's phenomenal. I mean, he's, he's obviously pretty damn good as we know right now. I think there's another level or two for him to get to. I think the Browns paid him as accordingly. Like, Hey, I think this is an element Mm -hmm. of even the David and Joku's contract where, they're clearly saying, we know these guys can do X, Y, and Z. We've seen them do it. But right. we also think there's levels right. to this that they can still get to. So we're not only paying for past production here. We're paying for levels we think are coming. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious, man. These guys have loaded up defensive backs. The draft Martin Emerson. We know what A.J. Green can be. We've seen him as a UDFA develop. We know they have a bunch of them. I'm just curious, like, where you think this defense goes. Do you think... It's interesting. Last year they didn't blitz much. They they were pretty 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 funnel right. based. Hey, we're gonna let you. We're gonna... Yeah, and a, and a lot ahead. of a lot of people are upset about that. But um, if you think about it, they run in a pretty similar scheme to San Fran, who ran a pretty similar scheme to Seattle when the LOB was there. And obviously, I've had the the luxury of playing in San Fran's and Seattle scheme, and it's not a lot of blitz in there because of the the defensive scheme. Like, if you got a Miles Garrett and you got Jadavion Clown, who is arguably two of the best pass rushers, why would you need to blitz? Like, they should be able to get home. You should be creating one-on-one matchups for these guys, and, and the offensive line shouldn't be able to hold up. So you don't need to blitz and leave a hole in the defense that, that allows a quarterback to hit the hole. So that's kind of why – you know, that it's not a lot of blitzing in that scheme. If you think about those teams that run a similar scheme, they don't really call a lot of blitzes because it's always going to leave an open zone somewhere. And if that blitz gets picked up, it's going to be a big explosive. Yeah, I feel like people watch maybe Baltimore, who likes to get down in your face, play aggressive, bring some of those cover zeros, some of those one looks, and and, and, and allow those guys to do it. No, no, trust me, it's it's fun. I was going to ask you which of those two you prefer. Like, people talk about how – uh, it's not passive. They're not playing passive coverage, but they're definitely playing keep everything no, in front and funnel funnel to certain portions of the right. field. Do you prefer to play that type where you know, hey, I'm very comfortable. I feel like I know everything's in front of me. Or do you, or or is it more fun to get up in people's face and say, hey, I want the challenge, but I know if I get beat on this double move or I get beat on this bang eight, well, it's a touchdown. Like I'm just curious from a DB's perspective, which well, one do you like more? So from my personal experiences, I like I always like to be a man to man, and I like to have the tight coverage um, because I just think it it, it ties. Football defense goes hand in hand. If you got a tight coverage, obviously allows your pass rush to hit home, and and if you got guys like if I got a Miles getting a Jadavion Clown, like I want to be like in my guys' face so they can either either a they're going to get a sack or B, that, that ball is going to come out a second too early and it's going to be a terrible throw and I'm going to be able to capitalize off the play. Um, but in this in that scheme, like, it, this is the thing. So in man-to-man defense, <laughs> it's funny that I, that I got to break it down. So in man-to-man defense, you don't really you're – not, you're not expected to get a lot of interceptions because you're, if you're doing it correctly, your eyes is on your man. And the only way you can look back for that ball is if you truly got your man, if you in phase, you own his body, and you looking and leaning. Like, that's the only time you should even look for the ball. If you're looking for the ball any earlier than that, 
then obviously you ain't got your eyes on your man, and that's gonna create some separation, and that's where the big plays happen. If you want to be an inter- if you want to get interceptions and stuff like that, you need to be in a zone a little bit more where you got eyes on the quarterback and you can see routes developing, you can see what number two is doing, and then you be able to jump routes and sit on routes like that. So that's why the Denzels and those type of people don't get a lot of picks because they're always they're in man a lot of times. And, you know, Denzel does a great job of playing through the hands. He don't even really too, but too, too much look back for the ball. He's always playing through the hands, which is phenomenal by him. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's, it just depends on what you're trying to do. If you're a guy who wants to be – give me your best wide receiver and I'm going to just stop him from getting yards a game, then that's fine. But if you're a guy that want to be a get interceptions, then you need to be like in a zone coverage where you can see the quarterback and see the routes develop and stuff like that so you can jump routes and anticipate routes. Yeah, I definitely think that's a huge part, especially what they do with Denzel, putting him in the boundary, saying, hey, man, we're going to run a coverage here that it's going to be cover four, but you're really man-to-man on an island on the backside. We're expecting you to take this away in two-by-one, three-by-one looks, and he's just so good at it, and it just works so well with what they do, putting greedy, and I would imagine they'll put Martin Emerson to the field too, let them be a little bit more read and react. It's a nice little pairing, Mm -hmm. but that's a great point about Denzel. Flipping offense real quick before I let you go. How, listen, I know there's a lot of baggage coming with all of this. I know there's a lot of things to still decide. There's, there's a whole bunch <laughs> yeah, of things that were yeah. in front of us instead of behind us that I think we all wish were the flip side of that. But, I mean, yeah. you're playing, I like getting your perspective. You're playing a quarterback like Baker, and then you're playing a quarterback like Deshaun. What's the levels to that? Like, as a DB, I've got to be thinking, and I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong. It's got to be hell to play guys like extenders like Deshaun, who can, hey, man, we got this perfect coverage. Absolutely. Yeah, we got this perfect yeah. coverage. We locked up the scheme, but this SOB escaped right and created a 15-yard throw here. Like, how much harder is that to prepare for than a guy who you know is pretty much going to sit in the pocket? Well, it is, it's very hard because now not only do you have to be more locked into the game, you got to be more in shape now. You know, you got these guys that, okay, I'm used to it. The guy runs a comeback. I'm in man-to-man. The guy runs a comeback. All right, boom, he runs the comeback, and I jumped around. I'm all over it. But now Deshaun Watson is scrambled out. He didn't beat, he didn't beat the sack, and now he's scrambling around. Now that comeback turns into a go or that comeback turns into a dig, and it's like, oh, shit. Shoot, I didn't jump the route so good. Now nah, I'm I'm uh, susceptible for the deep ball. Now nah, he didn't he didn't curled it up and went up the field on me. And Deshaun up there about to throw a rope down the field. So now I'm playing catch up. So it's like you can never with with a, with a scrambling quarterback and a guy that can avoid sacks. You can never take your eye really off your receiver because at any given moment he can he gonna change that route up and, and do something. That, totally different than what you expected like you said you go through the route and it's like all right i know what he's about to run boom i'm gonna jump it but now i'm looking back for the ball trying to make a play on the ball and i see the quarterback and scramble out now oh snap i gotta take snap my head back on my receiver by the time you look back he's gone and now you see the ball is going down the field so it takes an extreme amount of discipline in the secondary because you got to play those plaster rules is so serious and it's so real because that's where you get you give up those explosive plays so uh, yeah, I definitely would rather everybody would much rather check a, a quarterback that ha- doesn't have the mobile ability. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is a challenge, and I don't think people understand the the frame of mind you have to have as more and more of these guys enter the league of just how frustrating it is to be like you said. You do ninety five percent of things correct on a snap, but then they break out of the pocket one direction or the other. Or they break a sack after three and a half seconds and extend and a guy runs a short route and turns it up or a guy's running a deep and brings it back. It's just, 
it's extremely challenging, man. And I think that's why it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of running, man. It's a lot of running. That's what you get. Now you starting to, you got people starting to grab on to the receivers. Now you're getting holding calls. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot, man. Listen, the, uh, this interview was spectacular. Your time is so appreciated. I'd love it if we can steal some of your time when the, when the season comes up, tell everybody about what you're doing at the ultimate Cleveland sports show, where they can find that every day. All right, so the, the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, I'm on every Wednesday, but it's a daily show, Monday through uh, Friday, 11 to 1. We are live on YouTube. Just follow us at Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show on YouTube. Please like, subscribe. If you're looking for me personally, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at one Tyvis. And uh, yeah, oh yeah, and I'm on the I'm on 97.1 The Fan in Columbus. Um, I, I bounce around on the on the towns, but you know I'm on there usually every other day. Love it. Thanks so much, Tyvis, man. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.